So this is part nine in these talks about telling the stories of scripture word of mouth. And uh, we've been, the last couple ones, you remember I had a tire, a spare tire on my lap because we were talking about where the rubber meets the road, right? And uh, this is going to be continuation of that. Uh, we are going to be looking this Shabbat and then next Shabbat, and then it's going to be over, at how to, how to do it. Like how, let's say you have children or grandchildren and you want to start telling them the stories from the scriptures. How do, you, how do you get ready to tell a story? Because it does take some mental preparation. And uh, what's, what's a great way to tell stories? Uh, let's say to family members or to friends or whatever. So I'm just going to be giving some very practical tips and, uh, and techniques towards that end. Uh, ways, to, ways to make that happen. Uh, you remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about how reclaiming this lost art of storytelling, telling the stories from his word, it's, it's, it's part of the, uh, our return to Torah. It's, uh, it's part of our Hebrew roots and reconnecting with our Hebrew roots. It's integral to that. It is, um, it is part of the prophetic restoration message that the Holy Spirit is speaking to the body of Messiah today. Why? Because it's something that we used to do and now we don't. Um, I'm going to build on that today a tiny bit before I give you some how stuff. I actually believe that telling the stories from His Word is a mitzvah. Uh, what, that, that's a Hebrew word. What does the word mitzvah mean? Yeah, that's right. A commandment or command. So when Yeshua tells his disciples, do this, that's a mitzvah. When he says, don't do that, that's a mitzvah. Um, when the Holy One in the Torah says, do this or don't do that, that's a mitzvah. It's a command from him, right? And he said, if you love me, then the expression of your love for me will be in your guarding my commands and in executing them, doing, doing the stuff that I say, right? And I actually, I, I believe it's, it's not just some thing that some of us maybe have more of a, a taste for. I think it's actually a mitzvah. Uh, for instance, is it a command for us to tell the next generation what Elohim, God, has done? Yes, it is. Is it, is it a mitzvah, a command to tell our children at Passover what He did? That's, that's all about telling stories. Is it possible to tell the good news of Yeshua without telling a story? Not really, because it's the story of how we walked away from the Creator and how He came in the person of Yeshua to take the punishment that we should have taken so that we could go free, so that we could live with Him. It's like, it's the most beautiful, the most touching, the most wonderful story ever. You know, you know like the, maybe some of the children's stories or the fairy tales that really touched your heart when you were growing up. Or maybe you had a favorite Walt Disney movie and it, had, it probably had some of those themes in it. Well, guess what? Those were, those were not true stories, but this is a true story. And what is, what is our mission? What is our mitzvah as disciples? Tell people, right? So I would actually say it's not even just something that maybe some of us could do if we wanted to. I, I think it's something that he's called us all to in our own way. And, you know, I think that's going to look different for each one of us. So here's, here's, a, here's a little contemplation for you about mitzvot, commandments. Do commandments just happen? <laughs> I'll give you an example. Um, when some of us began uh, waking up to the fact that, that it says in the beginning, Elohim blessed the seventh day. He set it apart as holy. He called His people to, to, uh, to treat it that way, to make it special. We began waking up to that. What, what happened after that? Did that we all of a sudden just overnight start resting on Shabbat, 
um, trying to make it a refreshing day, uh, refraining from shopping, um, trying to refrain from cooking and stuff on the day. Did it just happen without her thinking about it? No. Uh, it actually, doing Shabbat, which is a mitzvah, it takes, it takes some work because you need to think ahead. Uh, you need to plan ahead for the day. You need to schedule things in ahead of time. You need to take time off work for some of us. Um, we, we need to do our, more cooking on Friday. So can you hear that with Shabbat? That the mitzvah of Shabbat doesn't just happen. It's something that takes some intentionality on our part. And it does take some planning ahead. Uh, what would be some other examples of that? You know, if you're an employer just treating your employees honestly, giving them fair wages, that doesn't just happen. That takes intentionality. Um, uh, what would be some other? What would be some other mitzvot? Praying, praying sometimes just happens, but not if you're me. <laughs> I need to. I need to be very intentional about praying, or it just doesn't happen, right? And prayer, quite frankly, for a lot of us, doesn't feel comfortable all the time. It doesn't come readily. It's like an art that you learn over time, you know? So on the one hand, when it comes to mitzvot, like, yes, it's a love thing, and it springs from our hearts. But just like a marriage, which is a love thing and springs from our hearts, it also does take some work. So I wonder if this concept doesn't also apply to telling the stories from His Word. Maybe it doesn't just happen. Maybe it's one of those things where we say, Okay, Yeshua, you told me to do this. I want to do it, but it's going to take some time to learn. It's going to take some intentionality on my part. And I might actually have to plan ahead a bit for this. I, I really believe that. <laughs> That's been my experience. This is something where I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing. I forget sometimes and I'm like, Oh, I could totally have told my friend a story about Yeshua. And I just dropped the ball. I just didn't think of it, you know? So it's like, it's one of these grooves that I think takes time to, to get into. So anyway, what we're going to be talking about today is basically, if we have that understanding, if we're really going for this, if we want to plan ahead, here's some, here's some, here's some simple ways to help plan ahead. Um, on our website, crownofmessiah.com, there's a page called the Brass Tax page. And that's something that is in process. Uh, but one of the, one of the, and it's basically resources about how we work as a community, what our beliefs are, and some simple things about how to do Shabbat and, and whatnot. Um, a lot of, a lot of how-to practical stuff. One of the pages on there is a brass tacks PDF for, um, if you, for, you know, let's say we get together um, on a Friday night, for instance, and someone's going to tell the story and they've never told a story before. How do you do it? <laughs> And on that brass tax PDF, it just has some basic tips for how to, how to prepare to tell a story. And I'm just going to go over those with you, and then you can go back over them on your own time also if you want on that, uh, on that page of the website. Uh, so let's say, let's say that you're going to be telling a story um, to us as a community from the Word. And I think this all, these principles that we're going to talk about, it also applies if you're just, say, going to have, you know, you have kids or you're going to have grandkids over and you want to maybe tell them a story before they go to bed from the scriptures. This will be some useful information for you about how to do that. Uh, number one, pray because they're his stories. And I really believe that he loves it when we talk about him and his word. So I believe that, um, that Yeshua is there to help us with this. We can just pray and ask him, you know, I, I want to tell one of your stories. What, which one do you want me to tell? 
and we can also ask for his help, eh? So that's the number one thing, just, just talk with him ahead of time. Um, if you are wanting to tell a story to the community, or even just to somebody else, uh, number two, just, you know, as you go through the weekly readings, which I assume we're all doing throughout the week, as you go through those weekly readings, just let him point out to you maybe a story that he wants you to tell. Uh, sometimes in the Torah there won't be a story, it may just be some technical material about a um, sacrifices or something, which is why we don't only go through the Torah, we're also going through the apostolic scriptures. Right? So this year we're going through the Gospels also, so if you can't find any good material in the Torah, there's a good chance that you'll have some great material in the Gospels. And pr quite frankly, I love the stories about Yeshua. They're very tellable stories. I, I find I've heard them so many times, sometimes it's really easy for me to mentally check out or kind of tune out, but when I'm thinking about how I could tell one of these stories to my child, or to the neighborhood kids or something, I all of a sudden read them in a new way. And they actually become much more meaningful to me than they ever have before. Uh, that's an experience that I've been having in this last year. So anyway, you know, number two, as you go through the readings, just watch for a story. Let him point one out to you. Uh, number three, once you say, okay, this is the story that I want to tell, I would suggest reading through it a couple times in a couple different translations just to really get a feel for the story. Uh, what you'll want to note, specifically, is the time and place of the story. Remember what that's called in our little uh, fairy tale formula? The time and place is the once upon a time in a land far away part. Right? Time and place. Once upon a time in a land far away. So watch for that part, because every story has that. Every story happened somewhere at some time. And it's often relevant. So watch for that, firstly. And then secondly, watch for the action and listen for the quotes. Remember, that's the part of the fairy tale formula, so to speak. These people didn't said these things. Right? That's basically how every story goes. Once upon a time in a land far away, these people didn't said these things. So that's what you can watch for in scripture stories. And that, I, it's, a very, it's a very easy way to just kind of keep it simple. Who are the people? What do they say? What do they do? Right? So, you know, that, so number three is just read through the story a couple times. Watch for those things. Uh, number four, I find it's helpful. And this, this is my experience. You know, you can play around with this a little bit. But number four, it's helpful to organize the action in quotes in your mind. These people didn't, didn't said these things in this order. So kind of organize the, that action and those quotes in your mind. You'll find there's a nice flow there often. Uh, for many of us, it's hard to just picture it in our minds. We like to externalize that. So maybe you would want to write out some bullet points or you might want to draw a storyline or something like that just to help you organize it in your mind, um, the, the flow of what people did and said. You could say that's like the skeleton. Just like a body has a skeleton, like the basic framework, uh, you could say that part is like the skeleton. Uh, number five, uh, what I like to do is after I read the story in a couple translations, after I get this picture in my mind of the skeleton, of the, uh, the flow of this is what they said and did, then I like to just sit down and I like to form the story in my mind. It's kind of like taking that skeleton and then putting flesh on the skeleton, forming, forming it in your mind. Um, that would be 
That would be the part where you actually begin to think through the story in your mind. You begin to think about how you would say it in your own words, and it becomes a coherent whole. Um, a couple tips for you as you're as you're going through that process. Uh, you want to you do your best to form the story accurately. So you know you want to try not to add things to the story and not to leave things out of the story. But at the same time, you want to tell it in your own words, right? So just as you're forming the story in your mind, try and get all the, the basic stuff in the story, but also um, for, form it in your own words. Uh, something else you want to do is you, you want to make your hearers feel like they're right there. Like they're right there seeing what's happening in the story, hearing what's going on. Uh, if there are any kind of sight, sights or smells or, or tastes or uh, sensations, those kinds of things. You want to go through the story and be sensitive to those things and see if you can weave those threads in uh, and include those elements. So, you know, you can go over in your mind like when and where the story happened, uh, describing sights, sounds, smells, sensations that the people in the story would have experienced. So let's say that Yeshua and his Talmudim are walking into the city of Jericho. It's a, it's a busy road. There are probably lots of people. Uh, there, there are probably some camels and donkeys. It's been a long day. They're probably sweating. Got to watch out for, so you don't step in the camel poop on the road. Different things like that. Like you just begin to get into the story, the sights and the sounds and those kinds of things. And uh, you'll find that as you tell the story, it becomes much more juicy when you include that stuff and, uh, and memorable. So that's, that's number five, just forming the story in your mind after you get that basic skeleton. Um, number six, a great thing to do after you form the story in your mind is uh, grab somebody, maybe a spouse or a friend or someone like that, and uh, practice telling the story to them. Just say, listen, I'm, I'm working on the story. I want to tell this story to, you know, to whoever. And uh, just to sit there and, and, and just tell them the story and uh, then ask them for feedback. Ask them if there are ways that you can tell the story better. I, I don't know about you, but you know, um, for, for many of us, we need to practice something before we get very good at it, before it becomes smooth. Uh, I did not learn how to play piano overnight. That took years and years of practice. Uh, for most people, public speaking does not come easily. It takes hours and hours and hours of practice. Uh, mitzvot are like that, really. Praying. How many of us just all of a sudden automatically can just pray up a storm overnight? For, for most of us, it takes years immersing ourselves in the Word, getting to know the Father, learning to hear His voice, and, and we grow in the art of prayer, hey? Or, or even something like Shabbat. How many of us can say, oh yeah, Shabbat, it's always been a breeze. No problems from the very first time. I mean, I, I remember when we were first getting in the groove of Shabbat. It was like, oh no, it's five o'clock and the sun is going down in half an hour and we are so not ready. Like, how many of you have experienced that, eh? So all that, and, and, and how many of you learned English overnight? How many of you learned proper grammar overnight? So, so, or, or learning how to ride a bike or anything. So can you, how, can you see how for anything that we do in life, any skill or art that we learn, it doesn't just happen. It, it takes time. It takes a desire. It takes practice. So, you know, I, I, that, that would be the number six thing. Just uh, if you, if you want to learn how to do this, feel free to practice on people. Practicing is good. What's that? Line up the teddy bears. Line up the teddy bears, sure. Or if you're, uh, if you're a rancher, get out there and talk to the cattle. They're very uh, accepting and affirming. 
And so will your pet dog be, actually. Dogs, dogs are like usually people's biggest fans, so those are some ideas for you. Yeah. I, uh, I actually, so those, those are the six, uh, you could say the, the six like uh, steps or, or kind of like um, areas of action that you could use to get ready to tell a story. Um, that's just kind of how it's been working for me. That doesn't mean it's the way it has to be for all of us, but hopefully those are some ideas that, that you'll find helpful. Um, I, I want to read you a story here. A true story about a man who practiced telling the stories from Scripture on his son. I found it pretty touching. So this, this, is, this story is from the book Truth That Sticks by Avery Willis and Mark Snowden. And they say, In one home group, the man whose turn it was to tell the story took it seriously. He started reading the story that night after it was assigned at the group meeting, and in a few days, he began telling the story to his wife. His, old, his oldest son, who was 17 and had, quote, wandered from the faith a few years before, asked him what he was doing. He told his son that he was practicing to tell the story in his home group the next week and was nervous about it. The next night, the man asked his son if he could practice the story on him, and he agreed. Every day before the meeting, he told the story to his son and had him correct him. This was a huge win to the man and his wife as they'd been praying for their son for some time and had been unable to talk with him about God without conflict. Finally, the night arrived for the man to tell the story in the group. He asked his son if he wanted to come listen to him tell the story, and the son went. As the meeting began, the man got a crucial business call. He apologized and excused himself to take the call, but was gone longer than expected. When he came back, he walked in, on his son telling the story in his place. The small group leader saw him come in and winked at the man so he could let the son, who hadn't seen his father return, finish the story. When the son finished, all the people who knew how long the couple had prayed for him praised him. Everyone had participated in the dialogue led by the small group leader. To the surprise of the man and his, and his wife, their son answered several questions and obviously had thought a lot about the story. The next week, the son asked if he could go to the home group again. He eventually gave his life to the Lord in the group. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that neat? It's just it, like it gave a dad an opportunity to, to, um, to invest in his relationship with his son and to, and to talk about the word. But remember, going under the radar? That story gave him a chance to go under the radar. <laughs> I love that. And obviously, Remember we were talking about how the stories from the scriptures, they are God's word. And God backs his word with his power. The Holy Spirit uses the word to touch people's hearts and change them. Can you, can you totally see how that happened in that story? It was just a simple story. But God used it to get into that boy's life and to touch his heart. I love that. <laughs> All right. So that, those are some tips on um, how to prepare to tell a story. Some ideas that, that I've had. Um, if you're... Um, Telling a story to a group. Let's say, like, if we, we as disciples gather as a group, uh, here, here are a couple things that you could do to, uh, to tell that story. Um, at the beginning, for instance, at our place on Friday nights when we do this, we like to begin by taking a minute to ask who told this story from last week and then ask how it went. And quite often, for, for, for some of us, we're like, oh, I totally forgot. Or we're like, you know, I just, I didn't have any opportunities to tell anybody. 
And quite frankly, that can be convicting. It's like, really? I have no social life with people that don't believe like me? That's disturbing. Um, anyway, it's, be, it's been a very simple question, but it's been, it's been helpful for us. And there have been times when we've been able to say, yeah, you know, I was out with a friend and I was able to tell them this story and we had a really neat discussion. Uh, anyway, so that's how we like to start, um, asking who was able to tell the story from last week and what happened. Um, something it's good to start your story off by saying is this is a story from God's Word, or this is a story from the Scriptures. Just to make it very clear, this isn't just something you're making up. Uh, this, this is a story that comes to you on the authority of the written Word of God. Right? You want to make that clear. Uh, so it's, it's, it's good when you begin to tell a story to start that way. This is a story from God's Word. Um, at the end, when you're done telling the story, it's good to mention that again. Say, this, is a, this story I just told you is from the Word of God. Or it's, it's from the Bible, it's from the Scriptures, however you want to phrase that, right? Something like that. Um, as you're telling the story, you, you want to tell the story as simply as you can. Uh, like I'd mentioned, you know, you want to help people see what was going on, hear and sense what was going on, but you also don't want to add your own stuff to the story. Uh, you just want to, you basically want to reinforce that you're simply telling the story from his word, right? So people understand that you are just like the messenger. You are just like telling the story from him. This isn't just something you're making up. Um, at the same time, you know, um, uh, very often in the scriptures, you'll have a word that people won't understand. So it's, it's good to explain words. It's good to explain customs to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Like, I told the story last night that Yeshua told about the servant of the king who wouldn't forgive, who was forgiven that debt of like five billion dollars and then wouldn't forgive his fellow servant for a couple thousand. And at the end of the story, a couple of the kids in the group were like, what's a servant? <laughs> And I was like, oh man, I had no idea that people wouldn't know what a servant is. But it's one of those things where as you're telling a story, you don't want to add to it, but feel free to explain what's going on. Feel free to define words for people. Eh? You, you want to be sensitive to that. Because if people don't understand the story, what good is it going to do? You might as well be talking to them in, in another language, Hindi or something. Yeah. Um, when, when I say don't add to the story, it's, gonna, it's very tempting for some of us to all of a sudden stop halfway through the story and start injecting our own personal interpretations or giving moral lessons or making applications like, oh, so what is the story telling you that you should do? Like, just resist the temptation to do that, right? Just tell the story and trust that the Holy Spirit will say what he wants uh, to, to people. <laughs> um, another, another, another thing I would just encourage you with is be yourself when you tell it. Um, look at the Gospels. Every Gospel is different. You can see every, in every Gospel, like, the author kept his style. And I believe that's true as we disciple people, as we tell stories from the Scriptures. Tell it, tell it in your own words. Keep your style. You know, some people are a little louder and more flamboyant and expressive. Some people are just a little more, just straight on. They'll just sit there and tell you the story, word for word. And both of those are good, if that is what you are. Um, you know, you want to tell it in your own style. Uh, you know, stay, stay relaxed. Um, have fun with it. Uh, if you need to, stop. Uh, take a deep breath. Smile. Those kinds of things, you know. And uh, actually, something I really love is when, as we're creating this culture of telling the stories from His Word in our community, you're doing it in groups of people that believe in you. You're doing it amongst friends. Uh, you're, not, you're not sitting there before critics or people who are going to, like, at the end, uh, give you pointers about how you could do a better job, like perhaps what happened at Toastmasters. You're talking about people who really like you and like, like 
listening to you, eh? So um, just just remember that too. That's why I think telling stories in uh, in, in group settings is a, is a really good idea. It's a great way to learn because you feel safe, uh, you feel accepted, and uh, you you don't have to be afraid about making mistakes or or that kind of thing. Um, another thing you another tip for telling stories is tell the story in a repeatable way. What you don't want people to say is, wow, that was great. I could never do that. I could never tell a story like that. That's not what you want, right? Because like, we want the stories in the Word to go viral. We want them to be the kinds of things that people could go home and tell to other family members. Um, what you want people at the end of your story to say is, that was pretty good. I could do that. Right? That's what you want people to say. You want people to say, you know, that wasn't actually so spectacular. I, I could do that. I could go and read a story from the Word and then tell it. Yes, yes, that's what we want, right? So um, another thing you can do as you're telling the story is uh, to incorporate um, more senses. So for instance, uh, if you have visual people in the room, and you're pretty much always going to have visual people in the room, you might want to have someone act it out as you're telling it, or you might want to act it out as you're telling it. Uh, I think I shared with you guys, Genevieve did that for the first time a couple of weeks ago at our place, and it, it totally caught our attention. And we have some kids that come over from our neighborhood to our house to hear these stories, and they, they're kind of hyper, to, to put it um, politely. And like Genevieve totally had us all riveted for the whole time. She actually went out of the living room and up the staircase... And then she just disappeared. And we were all like, well, we were just sitting there waiting, right? And the suspense built. And then all of a sudden she came out pretending to be the woman who's um, from, what is it, Syrophoenicia or whatever, whose daughter was demon-possessed. And she just started crying out to Yeshua. And she fell on her knees and she was really getting into it. And then, and then Genevieve acted out Yeshua and the disciples walking along and the disciples being like, Master, like, she's annoying. Tell her to, to get out of here. That kind of thing, right? And... Um, I just, I, I found that it was very, uh, it wasn't just captivating, but it was memorable. Like, I can still totally remember that story because you acted some of it out, eh? So I was trying to do that last night, too, in the story about the king who forgave the servants. It's kind of fun, you, you know, like the one servant started choking the other servant, and, and you know, the servant fell on his knees. It's, it's, it's a great thing to, to act out. And I know for some of us, it's like, I am so not an actor. That would be very uncomfortable. And again, it's one of those things where not everybody has to do that, right? But, but for some of us, we can kind of find our own style and, uh, and, and grow in that. So anyway, that's the last thing that I would say uh, about, uh, about actually telling the story. Just see how many of the senses you can incorporate. You know, get, get people imagining with you, watching you act it out. Uh, maybe you can even use different tones of voice. Uh, while you're telling the story. Things like that can be really fun. And uh, I, I think Yeshua wants us to have fun with his stories. I think he wants us to have fun learning his word and, and, uh, and communicating it. So the last thing I'll um, share with you about this is we talked about what to do before you tell the story. We talked about what to do while you're telling the story. Uh, now we'll talk about what you can do after you tell the story. Because it's like, okay, you told the story. Now what? Uh, something I've discovered is questions are very powerful. And I believe the Holy Spirit uses questions to get conversation going and to, uh, to really speak to people. Did you notice that about our Creator? Very often when He shows up on the scene and when He engages someone in a conversation, He starts with a question. Hmm, 
Maybe that's a good idea. Did you notice Yeshua did that often also when he was teaching? Um, here's, here's, a little, here's a little picture for you. And I thought this was, this was rather profound. Very often um, when you're teaching, let's say if you're facilitating a group discussion or something, or you just told a story, you can do one of two things. You can ask questions and then let people think through it and arrive at their own conclusions. Or you can just tell them the conclusions. And uh, you, this is, this is, this is um, what it, you could say it's like. This is when you just tell people the conclusions. It kind of looks like a club. And that's sometimes how it feels. If someone tells you the story, and then they just boom, 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 point, 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 and they just tell you all the conclusions, it kind of feels sometimes like someone's just bonking you on the head with it. And quite frankly, what do we do when someone bonks us on the head? Resist, you might kind of scrunch up, um, you might push back, or you might just make sure you never come back to that person's house because last time you were there, they bonked you on the head. <laughs> right? But what does a question mark look like? Can you see how it kind of looks like a hook? And that's what questions are, too. A question is like a hook. It, it, it draws people in. It engages people. There might be someone in the room and they're kind of skeptical, and they're kind of sitting in the corner, and they have their arms crossed. But when you start asking questions, guess what? Those kinds of people will probably naturally open up a little bit, and when they realize that the group is actually really interested in hearing what they think about the story, they'll probably start talking and get involved, instead of just hunkering down and waiting to stop getting bonked. Do you see the, little, uh, do you see the picture there? So basically, I'm a big believer after telling a story in asking questions, getting conversation going, engaging people, hooking them, and not just bonking them with what you think about the story, your interpretations or, or, or applications. <laughs> so um, here are some questions that I've been experimenting with and that I find to be really good questions. These are just suggested questions, but you'll find them on, on the, the, the PDF on the brass tacks page of our website, chronomasai.com, if you want to go over those further. Um, the first question I like to ask is, what do you like about this story? Or is there anything about this story that bothers you? It's a very simple question, but for most people, um, there's just something that stood out. There's something that maybe tickled them. And they'll say, yeah, I really liked this. And it's good to establish an affinity with the word right off the bat. Um, I, I find it's, it's, it's great to ask along with that, what bothers you about this story? Because quite frankly, very often in scripture stories, um, there's, sometimes there's violence, uh, or there's a, there, there are questions that are raised, or if you have a person in the room who's skeptical, they, there's something about the story that might really bug them. And you know what? why not invite them to share what they really think, right? Instead of just saying, oh, just positive, only positive, say, I don't know, is there anything about this story that kind of bugs you? And that will, that will help people to open up and realize they're in a place where, uh, where they're really free to share what they really think. And I think that's a good idea because the Holy Spirit will meet us there. So that's the number one question. The first question I suggest asking is, what do you like about this story or what bothers you about it? Uh, the second question that I like asking and that I would suggest is who would you be in the story or who are you in the story? Do you have any experiences in your life that relate to something in the story? Um, most of us can say, oh yeah, I've been, I, I, had, a, I had an experience where, uh, okay, I'll give you an example. Last night, like I mentioned, I told the story about the king who forgave his servant who owed him a big debt. 
And some people in that room were able to say, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I can relate to the king. I've been the king. I, forgave, I had to forgive something, someone of something really big. Or, um, yeah, someone owed me money, and I forgave them the debt. Um, or some people might say, yeah, I've been that unforgiving servant. You know, God forgave me of so much, but I'm harboring a grudge. Or people might say, I feel like the guy in the bottom of the totem pole that got choked out and thrown in jail. You know, I, I, I just owed someone a little bit of something and they, they were just, they, uh, they were really rough with me. So, you know, when, when you ask that question, who would you be in the story? You'll find that right away, people see themselves in the story, they relate to the story, and they're not going to forget it. And did you hear that? When someone relates to the story, all of a sudden they're seeing how the scriptures are relevant to their lives. They're, they become part of the scriptures. That's a very powerful thing. So that's the second question. Uh, third question you can ask is, what does this story tell you about Yeshua? Or, uh, or you, may, you may want to ask, what does this story tell you about our Creator or about God? Something like that. Uh, most stories have things to tell us about Yeshua. He is the hero, ideally, of every story. Uh, the Holy Spirit delights in revealing Yeshua to people. And so that's a great question, I guarantee you. Uh, that, that'll go far. Um, sometimes you can ask other questions like, what does this story tell us about us as human beings or about human nature? Um, you know, you could ask questions. There's certain themes in some stories, and you could ask, what does this story teach us about leadership or about family or about handling money? Right? You can ask speci like specific questions like that if you want to. Um, just kind of play it by ear, right? And then um, finally, a, a good question to uh, finish with is, is there anything this story is telling you to do? And what's that going to look like? Because uh, you, you always want to finish with saying, how is the word relevant to our lives and how we do life? How does this affect what we do? Because what did Yeshua say? If you're smart, you hear the word, you do the word, right? So we want to, we, as we disciple people, we want to be encouraging them through asking these kinds of questions to actually apply the word to their lives. So, what is this story telling you to do? What's that going to look like this week? Make it practical. And then hear what people say. And uh, we like to wrap up with kind of a PS uh, question. Um, who could you tell this story to this week? Again, it's that thing where you just you want to you create an environment where these stories are contagious, where they go viral, where people realize, huh, I could do that. I could tell that story. Uh, maybe it's a story about forgiveness. Maybe that person has a family member who is wrestling with bitterness. And that story would, would be very meaningful to that person, right? So that's a great kind of um, postscript question to ask. Uh, who are you going to tell this story to in, uh, in this upcoming week? I'll read, you a, I'll read you a story again from this book, Truth That Sticks, about... Uh, a person who did this, who told a story and uh, then asked some questions. So there's a lady named Lisa and she says, I had read some of the material about orality and storying, so I intellectually knew what it was. Then I went to Immersion 1 
that's like a store, uh, like a storying uh, course, basically, that these guys offer. We were in a small group, and we had this guy from the church who introduced himself as being retired from the military. He had been in the Marines for 20 years. He stood up and started telling the story of the prodigal son. You could tell he'd practiced it. No embellishment, just standing there quietly telling the story. And everyone in the group of 13 was caught up in his telling that story. When it was over, he asked very simple questions related to the story. Which one of the people in this story do you most relate to? The father, the prodigal son, or the older brother? It was like the floodgates were opened. One guy said he was like the father because his kid was struggling. Another said he related to the prodigal son because that was me. The first person was so honest and transparent about what was going on in his life that it went around the circle like we were family. I said to myself, oh my gosh, this works. It was just someone opening up a story and letting us get into it where we are in our lives and where we are intersecting with that story. What that guy had done, there was nothing fancy about it. Anyone could have done it. Made me realize that Bible storying worked by letting everyday people spread the message. That's when I became a believer. It was not someone explaining anything to us. He was just opening the Bible up to us. So, so that's a story about an ex-Marine, 20 years in the military. He, did, he didn't tell the story in a fancy way. He didn't get all uh, expressive. He just stood there, told the story real simple, asked some questions, and what happened after that? Yeah, yeah, people were able to share their situations. Um, if you are facilitating in a group, uh, like what, what we're doing in our, at our place right now is we have someone facilitate the gathering and that person will say, okay, so-and-so is going to tell the story and uh, then so-and-so tells the story, but then the facilitator asks the questions and helps to guide the discussion after. Because some people are cool with telling a story, but they don't feel up to facilitating a gathering, and it's just, it's a little too much, you know? And so anyway, um, if you're a facilitator, here are a couple really, uh, I think, like three simple tips for you also. Um, if one person is dominating the discussion, just turn to someone else and ask what they think. You know, if someone's really quiet and maybe hasn't shared anything, you could say, well, you know, what, what, what did this story tell you about Yeshua? Or, or uh, who would you be in the story? You know, those kinds of questions, right? Uh, number two, when someone asks you as the facilitator a question about the story, ask what the group thinks or ask what that individual thinks. So it's just keeping, just putting it back to the group, keeping the group talking with each other. And then uh, finally, have you, ever, have you ever been in a group where let's say you're facilitating leading and, and you want to get group discussion going but everyone just keeps looking at you and sharing with you? If that happens, um, a really good way to kind of avoid that is just look down. <laughs> and you'll find if everyone keeps looking at you, just look down and um, they'll look at someone else and, 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 as, they're, as they're sharing. Because we just need to do that. You know, If we're in a group... We, we feel this need, like you have to kind of share, it's very hard for us to kind of pan across the group, back and forth the whole time. You kind of, you kind of want to connect with a person or two and feel like you're sharing, you know? So anyway, that's a really simple, that's a third simple tip if you're facilitating discussion about just how to, uh, how to encourage that, keep things going, and um, keep it a real, a real group vibe. Uh, next week, it's going to be my last talk. Um, on telling the stories of scripture 
And I have a couple more stories for you about people who have taken this idea and, and ran with it. And I'm also uh, going to uh, go over a little more how-to. Uh, today we went over the how-to of if you want to tell a story to, uh, let's say, a group in our community, how you would get ready for that, uh, how you would tell the story, and uh, what you want to do afterwards in terms of asking some questions to uh, stimulate conversation. Uh, next week I'm going to go over some adapted ideas for how you might want to get ready to tell a story or have some discussion with a family member or a buddy or uh, something outside of a group discussion. So that, that's going to be a, that's going to be pretty fantastic, and uh, that's going to be my last talk on this on the subject next week. So I, I hope we can all catch that, and uh, I hope it's a, a fire that spreads. Thank you for joining us in this message. I pray that it's been an inspiration to you in your discipleship to Yeshua the Messiah. Crown of Messiah is a relatively small congregation with a massive mission. We're not just making disciples and teaching the Word of God here in our city. We're also doing that internationally through vehicles such as the internet. It is our joy to offer you these messages for free at absolutely no charge. At the same time, we do have ongoing overhead expenses. It costs us something to produce these teachings and get them out to you. And we would appreciate it if you would, in turn, support our work in a practical way. Help us cover some of our basic expenses. You can do that by going to our website, crownofmessiah.com, and going to the donate page, where you can make a one-time donation, or you can set up a monthly automated donation. I'm reminded of the words of Yeshua's Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6. He said, Let the one who is taught the word share everything good with his teacher. So, if you're being taught the word by us, we would appreciate it if you would take the words of Yeshua's Apostle seriously and make some type of return for the blessing that we are giving you for free. That way, we'll all be in it together and we will be a team accomplishing the mission that Yeshua has given us. And you will go from only being a receiver to also being a giver. If you're like most people, finances are tight. We understand that. Finances are tight for us too. That's why we need people like you to come alongside us and to back us in the work that Yeshua has called us to do. Thank you so much for making that donation at crownofmessiah.com and thank you for becoming a team member with us. We appreciate it.